The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, BronxPinstripes.com proudly brings to you the most exciting Yankees podcast in the world! Georgian Fox. Welcome back to George's Box. I'm JJ. I'm Nick. And it's a good day to be a Yankee fan. Like, it's a nice little Saturday to be a Yankee fan. We're recording this on Saturday morning. The Yankees have DJ LeMahieu. We have Corey Kluber. We're starting to get a roster of Major League Baseball players. It's exciting. After two months of nothing, uh, like I said, Christmas came and went. We had nothing under the stocking, nothing under the tree, nothing going on. And then to have a Friday in January, you wake up to DJ LeMahieu, you go to sleep to Corey Kluber, and now it's Saturday morning. This is going to be a fantastic weekend. There's no way at this point that this won't be a good weekend. It's impossible. I feel like I woke up like breathing clearer. Like There's a little, little less weight on my chest or my shoulders, whatever it may be. Um, and I, I think, you know, Obviously, DJ gets signed early in the day. Everyone rushes. Got to get your articles out. Makes sense. Got to get your emergency podcasts out. We were texting, and I said, I think we should wait till the morning. I feel like Kluber is going to – like the Kluber movement will at least have a better picture. I don't know that I thought the deal would be done, but we would at least like have an idea, and we could react either way. And then, you know, late into the evening – we get Kluber, so now we get to, on a Saturday morning, kind of bang everything out at once and talk about, you know, how excited we are. Patience is a virtue, and it's funny because the, the Kluber buzz really heated up as soon as the DJ news broke. It was about 30 minutes after where you had uh, Morosi, Martino, and Buster, all these guys start tweeting that you know, the negotiations are heating up, that Kluber wants to stay in the Northeast. Um, and then you have the Eric Cressy connection, the Matt Blake connection. So I think a lot of us saw this as something that could very well happen. Uh, and the other thing about Kluber is he really fits, he fits the Yankee culture. He's a, he's a boring, all business guy. His, his nickname is the robot or the Klubot or whatever. So I think he's going to fit in beautifully. We'll talk about him. I want to talk about DJ first. Finally, 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 this gets done. Six years, 90 million and all across Yankees Twitter. Across the winter, it was, is he going to get four years or is he going to get five years? It's DJ wants five years. The Yankees are only willing to go four. And I kind of think we should have saw this coming because this is exactly what Brian Cashman did with Aaron Hicks. They agreed on a number for Hicks. It was $70 million. Then you spread out the years to lower the luxury tax. And it makes perfect sense if you're trying to stay under the tax. So from all the reports that I read, uh, the Yankees were offering 70. DJ wanted 110. They met in the middle at 90, and then they figured out the year. So $15 million a year for DJ LeMahieu is an absolute steal, and you can't tell me otherwise. Yeah, I mean, we've all, you know, we had our ideas. We, on this podcast, said, you know, four years, $100 million, five years, $125 million, $25 million a year. Happy to give that to DJ LeMahieu. And there are these times in life as a Yankee fan, as someone who, you know, tweets a lot, does podcasts, whatever. I mean, there are a lot of us who do this. Um, where you just go, oh, that's why Brian Cashman has the job and I don't. And the second I saw six years, $90 million, 
I just said, oh, okay, that's why he does that job, and I don't do that job. Because I would have signed DJ very quickly to a contract that would have been way worse. I would have given him an extra $10 million a year. Oh, me too. We were both ready to give him 125 over 5 in December, in November. So Cashman has the patience. They did maintain that DJ was the top priority. But I think for DJ, remember, he didn't get paid. His first free agency tour was when he got a two-year, $24 million deal from us. And he kind of felt slighted that offseason. And I think it was really important to him to cash in. This offseason, obviously, it comes during the pandemic. Nobody has any money. Nobody's spending. But I think that's why he held his ground because he's like, you know what? I already took a prove-it, kind of prove-it type contract two years ago. I want some security. I want to get paid. I think that's another reason he was fired with the $15 million because he wanted five to six years. You could tell the years and the commitment were important to him. Well, I think when you hit a certain age – and so it's one thing that is very tough for, you know – people to do is to just think about it in terms of like, you know, the real world. The guy has made, he's 32 years old. He's made $41 million on the field. That's more money than you or I are ever going to make in a lifetime. And now he's added a, at least another 90 million. I'm sure there'll be endorsements in there. You know, that's got to be part of the sales pitch of like, now you're just with the Yankees. Like you're the Yankee second baseman or, you know, wherever we need you to go. For the next six years, you can get a, you know, a Jersey Mike's commercial. You could get, you know, a Subway deal, whatever it may be. But if you've got $130 million, by the time you're like, you know, 38, who gives it? Like, there's not much to really care about. Oh, exactly. And, and when thinking about the player and his actual life uh apparently the you know the next best offer was from toronto and it was four years 78 million which is 19 and a half a year so he would have gotten almost five million more per year but think about it the guy and we talked about this he did not want to pick up his family and move to canada like you got to think about the actual circumstances surrounding each team and that was never going to happen i thought i wonder because toronto's you know, like, they're right there in terms of, like, being a, a contender, you know. Yep. And maybe they're a year, two years away from really trying to make, like, a a big splash. You know, I think they need the stadium open. They need to start filling it with fans like we saw when yep. everyone became a Blue Jays fan a couple years ago. And then I don't know what happened to them the last three years. They've disappeared. But, <laughs> you know, you do that again, and, you you know, you try to build some momentum off that. And you do have to wonder, again, like real world, how much the idea of everything going on in the world and what will that look like for the next year or two in terms of having to cross a border, you know, going back and forth. I mean, are they even going to start the season? And I'm sure it's the thing we'll talk about of like when's the season actually going to start, but like where's Toronto going to play? So signing on to that of like, I don't even know where we're going to be playing. I could see Toronto you know, having to wait another year or two before premium free agents, you know, really look at it. Yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty with that situation up there. And I believe all of the reports that DJ didn't want to go anywhere, that he loved being a Yankee. He is the quintessential Yankee. He fits right in. And I think it was very telling the way you saw other Yankees react on social media after he signed. Glaber, Britton, Judge, Voight, they were all tweeting gifts and of how excited they are about DJ coming back. Like To me, I mean, maybe other than Cole, he's probably the most respected guy in that clubhouse. I mean, everybody talks about Judge being a captain, but I think DJ is kind of the, the captain on the position player side for sure. Yeah, I mean, if DJ was, it, you know, it's all, it's timing. Timing plays yes. a big factor into this. Uh, you know, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper did everything right in his career and life to be a New York Yankee. Always said he wanted to be a Yankee. Became very good at baseball. You know, one MVP, one MVP. Stayed out of trouble. Stayed out of trouble. Ate Chipotle and played video games in his, you know, in his apartment. But Stanton was available the year before. Stanton is available. We probably have Bryce Harper on the Yankees, you know, and it just didn't work out for him. I remember actually feeling bad for him. Like, that stinks. You do everything right, and it doesn't work out sometimes. Yeah, you've got $400 million, but it's not the $400 million you wanted. DJ LeMahieu is a three-time All-Star, two-time batting champion. You know, he's been in the top four for MVP voting the last two years. If he was, like, three years younger, it'd be, like, a monster deal. 
He'd be getting a monster deal right now. But the timing worked out where after winning a batting title and coming third in the MVP voting, winning a Silver Slugger, winning two Silver Sluggers in a row, you know, all that, you know, being an all-star two years ago without even having a position on opening day, now he, you know, that got him a $3 million a year raise. So, you know, it's interesting to see that timing because while we don't necessarily, we don't understand as much as Brian Cashman does about, like, the entire market. Cashman played this one well to just sit back and to a certain extent say, yeah, go out there and get another offer. You know, and we heard, you know, last week, uh, you know, DJ's getting upset. He's going to start talking to other teams. Go ahead. And it seems like, the uh, you know, I think when you're the Yankees and when you're Brian Cashman, you hear how badly he wants to stay. I think you feel confident that he's not going to sign anything until he comes back to you and says, this is what's offered to me. Can you beat it, match it, whatever it may be? Yeah, it almost feels like DJ cost himself a lot of leverage by being so open and honest early in the process. And from everything we've read, he didn't really engage other teams until this week. He kind of went to the Yankees and just said, let's get this done, pay me what I'm worth. And they said, no, we're going to pay you what your market value is. And I think there was a lot of tension there with DJ being like, look what I've done the past two years. You know, let's ju- let's just get this done in good faith. And that's and Cashman's just too cold and calculated, I think, to to work like that. And I think if it was a normal offseason, not coming off a pandemic, this would have happened a lot sooner. Other teams would have been more interested, probably would have got more money. But it worked out beautiful for the Yankees. And, you know, my first instinct is, oh, I'd rather have the, the 90 million over five years. And, you know, just get them for five years and not have that sixth year. But in Cashman's perspective, this lowers the tax and it gives them more flexibility every year. So totally understand it. And I think you will see this as a benchmark for more Yankee contracts going forward. You'll see a lot of years and a lower AAV. I I think you're going to see a lot more of that. Yeah, it's one of those things like in six years, $15 million. If he stinks, you could just, you know, you could write that off. Um, And it's like a thing I said, like the Hicks contract. $10 $10 million a year, seven years. Like, are you going to be able to play center field in seven years? Hell no. But we can walk away from that, and it's not a terrible – you know, you could have Hicks and, uh, Hicks and a DJ contract, and it's like, oh, that's one that's one Ellsbury. You know? Right. Plus, right. I don't know. I don't think that players really care that much, or, you know, I, I don't think – like DJ LeMahieu, who's not like a social media guy, really cares that much. But if you're DJ LeMahieu, you sign a two-year, $24 million contract with no promised position. You are on the bench on opening day. You play 145 games that season, come in fourth in the MVP voting, win a silver slugger, become an all-star, come back when COVID hits. And everyone leaves because, you know, you're supposed to leave Tampa. And all I'm seeing is Bigfoot photos of you still fielding ground balls every day. (laughs) Then you come out. You have COVID to start the season. You come in. You come in third in the MVP voting. You win a silver slugger. You win a batting title. Then you sign for six years, $15 million a year. There is almost nothing that DJ LeMahieu could do on the field. That will make Yankee fans boo him, ever. Oh, you can't. You can't. I mean, we still have some asshole fans that I'm sure we'll get on him after an 0 for 11. But, yeah, he has done every single thing right. And all those points that you made, you know, beautiful ramp, by the way, I'm sure that's partly why he felt a little bit disrespected or dismayed, as the report said. He's like, I've done everything right. I've outperformed the shit out of my original contract. I've grinded. I've stayed healthy while all of my teammates have, have went down with soft tissue injuries. I've been on the field playing third base, playing first base, playing second base, whatever they asked me to do. So I don't blame him for feeling a little dismayed and, and wanting to negotiate in good faith, but glad it got done. There will be no ill will. He's not a guy that's going to carry a grudge, and I'm sure he's happy with the with the $90 million and he's happy this is over. He's, he's happy because... He doesn't have to deal with like moving and packing and like meeting mo- and meeting new people. Doesn't strike me as a guy who wants yeah. to meet new people. <laughs> you know, good point. Would rather instead of yeah. meeting a whole team of people, he probably isn't like meeting a new pitching machine. You know, he strikes no. me as like a he's a routine <laughs> guy. So let him just continue to go out there and be that routine guy. And you know, we talk about like soft tissue injuries and things like that. You know, I often talk about Judge and Stanton because of just their size. I mean, he's 6'4". Like, he's a big boy. 
Um, but I think, you know, that down the road, there's to be 32 and to still have the ability to be a gold gloves, you know, middle infielder with the flexibility to play third base, first base. If we were really in a pinch, and I'm surprised it never happened in like the last two years that he got like stuck out for even half a game in the outfield because we just had so many injuries over time. I mean, he easily slots over to be a veteran first baseman in, you know, three, four years if we need. Exactly. If he loses some range, he could go to third or first, no problem. Um, and we owe, and people talking about the years and talking about how he's going to age, it might be a little unfair, but I, I compare him to Derek a lot in that he has the same inside-out swing that Derek had. He's constantly going the other way. He's tall and lanky. He stays healthy. Like, DJ is a guy, you know, Jeter led the league in hits at age 38. I keep tweeting that. I keep saying that. And I really think DJ is that kind of special breed that can do something like that. So I am totally fine giving him the six years. DJ is going to keep hustling, but I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Podcast here. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you don't want to start a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you can get all of this for only 15 bucks a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Submit your Blue Wire Hustle application here, bwhustle.com slash join. Corey Kluber. We spent a lot of time on our little holiday episode kind of complaining about the rotation and complaining that not only did they have a number two starter, but they didn't really have an adult in the room after Cole. It was like Cole and a bunch of kids. Yep. And I think Corey Kluber, from a culture fit, from a personality fit, he, he is that second adult in the room. He's got playoff experience, World Series experience, done it all in the American League. He's totally focused. I think he's going to fit in beautifully. And I do think he is the perfect number two starter to start the season. I love this move. I think it's a good fit both ways because, listen, Corey Kluber won two Cy Young Awards. I had to do a little a little research on him because I knew he was injured. I didn't remember all the details of it. So 2019 in Miami gets hit on his throwing forearm, line drive, breaks his arm, missed the rest of that season. End of the season, shockingly to a lot of people, Cleveland picks up his $17.5 million contract. You know, they have the option. They trade him to Texas, pitches one inning. As part of his recovery for his arm, 
has um, like an oblique issue, you know, like core issues, stuff of like, hey, I'm coming back from a major injury and, you know, trying to readjust now I'm in new settings, start, stop, spring training, everything working against coming back from a major injury. Now he's had a full offseason. I don't know what the... Yeah, I don't know what the schedule is going to look like. I know right now they're saying everything's going to start regularly, you know, regular schedule, whatever. But Corey Kluber's won two Cy Young Awards. Corey Kluber's a very good pitcher. And it's not one of those, like, when healthy. You know, it's not like an Aaron Judge. Like, he's the best when he's healthy. He's a very good pitcher because he hasn't been injured that often. He's had this one major injury, which for $11 million is a good bet for the Yankees. Like, Corey Kluber could come out and be terrible, right? For $11 million one year, we would just, you know, that stinks. It didn't work out. You take risks. It's business. That's what it is. But I think he wants the respect that a two-time Cy Young winner deserves, and there's not a lot of number two spots available. There are number three, number four, number five spots available in rotations. There's not a lot of number two spots that people are just looking to fill because it's easier to get back to that $17 million a year out of a number two spot for the Yankees than a number four spot for anyone else. Definitely. And he lives in the Northeast. He lives in Massachusetts. Funny, he lives 15 minutes from Fenway Park, and he still chose us, which is awesome. And he's from uh, Alabama. Yeah, he to win. He, Originally, yeah, who, it's a very weird path <laughs> because Cleveland's in there. I don't know. Oh, but, racism. You, you just stuff. follow racism. Go to Boston. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's a big racist. I don't know. But you you think about his stuff, and he's like a cutter, two-seamer guy, and those guys generally age pretty well. He doesn't rely on throwing 98 miles an hour and blowing it past people. He's got pinpoint control, pinpoint precision when placing his pitches. So I think he's a guy that can age fine. I'm not worried about him during his age 35 season. When you look at guys like Verlander and Scherzer that are still dominating at 35, I, I easily think he could have an ERA under 3.5 with us next year. Which, you know, uh, I had been tweeting this morning about like projections on baseball reference because I was just like, looking at stats. And they essentially project him to be, which, like, I have a billion issues with uh, these projections, but they're essentially projecting him to be Tanaka last year. And I think he could be better than Tanaka last year because I think he has something to prove. As you talked about his relationships already with conditioning, with pitching coach, I think it helps both ways because you've got Cole. Cole is... You know, he's the alpha in that room. He has shown his, he has shown to, I'm sure, his teammates, the way he's shown the fans, that he's not a guy who's just going out and throwing. He, there's a method to his madness, there's research, there's studying, there's a science to it. There, that also is an approach that Matt Blake takes. That's an approach to your body that Cressy takes. But when you have all these kids, and guys who have had some of them have had success early on in their career. Some have struggled, but like we'll probably just look at their success. Like a Severino, you've got Herman coming back. Like you don't know like mentally kind of where these guys always are. Kluber comes in and helps you really win over that room because now you've got the two alpha dogs who are going to say. What Cole is just, hey, you guys align professionally with what I'm trying to do. And Kluber is like, these are my guys. I need them to help get me back to where I'm supposed to be. They need me to get them the respect that they need you know, in the room. I think it's a perfect situation. It does feel like a perfect match, and now you're in the situation where you have those two dogs at the top, and you know the three guys after them. You better fall in line because that because that's how we're doing it here. And let's be honest with ourselves: our young pitchers—they're not the most mature, you know, professional group. No, uh, obviously, Herman is at his issues off the field, which are horrendous. Sevi forgot what time a playoff game started and has had refused to go into MRI. Like these are not mature, mature guys. So I, I think that yeah, that's worth mentioning as well. I remember my. High school, my senior year, like varsity coach, I uh, Raphael Lahara, 
he used to say, that was his name, Coach Lahara. I didn't like him. He did not like me. Um, he would say when we were, you know, doing our legs for training, make all the physical errors that you want. That's going to happen. Don't make mental errors. You know, it, it's a thing, you know, you play baseball through high school instruction, you know, everything. They just say, like, just approach every pitch as if you know the ball's going to come to you. If the ball comes to you, to your left, to your right, straight, where are you going? And at the major league level, that should be normal. And like you said, what time does a playoff game start? Like, those are the errors that we need to get rid of if you get rid of the mental, and I think a Kluber, a you know, motivated Kluber, Cole, at the head of that, it's going to help. And then you got to come home, Tanaka. It's time to come home. I get the Japan thing. I get it. Hey, I'm already. He's probably already over there. I don't have to get on a plane. They'll pay me. We're doing better with COVID and whatever. Like America's on fire right now. It's time to come home. You want that World Series? It's time to come home because now Tanaka, you can make, you know, significantly. You know, you can make less money. Take another. Take a, a ten, twelve million dollar deal. Now you've got one, two, three. The rotation's starting to be something. So you think there's a chance Tanaka comes back? See, I think Kluber is almost replacing Tanaka. They're right up against the cap, and we can talk about where they are money-wise, but I kind of think this move replaces Masahira. It may, but I don't want it to. Got it. Fair enough. And look, I'd love Tanaka. We don't have, we don't have the rotation to win a World Series right now. Now, Sebi could come back, and like he's awesome, but I'm not going to bank on a guy who's had, like, one half of a dominant season. Herman could come back and be what he was before he started smacking around his wife. Yeah. But he had, like, two good outings in the Winter League and then got lit up. Like, right. you can't bank. I don't like the, like, guys coming off the DL is going to be our big in-season move. I hate that as well. And this is not a podcast where we're going to be banking on Seve to show up July 4th and just start pumping 100-mile-an-hour no. fastballs and dominating. So, no, I, I agree. But I also think, you know, kind of from the glass half-full side, we're, if we are going into a playoff series with uh, Cole 1, Kluber 2, Severino 3, and then Herman or Montgomery 4, I can I can live with that. I can live with it. Do I want one more? Yes. I can I mean, see I Chad Green. I can see Chad Green opening a game in that situation. So you, you I know, I, I agree with you. I definitely think we need one more, one more starter. I'm just not sure if that's going to be Tanaka. Because you also have to think like injuries are going to happen. You know, we need. I think we need a third established major league pitcher, and I'd rather it be Tanaka than like some people. Are like maybe we just try to get Paxton back on a prove me deal. I don't want him. I don't want no, 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 around. No, no, no. Like I, I don't want that hang. There was. Even though, like, the season was shorter and we really didn't see much of him, there was always the talk of, like, well, even in 19, there was the talk of, like, well, he's a Boris guy and he's going to look to get his Boris. I just don't need that around the team right now. No, and he always had that deer-in-the-headlights look. He's always injured. He's been on the the IL every single year of his career. So I, I have no interest. I mean, I'm not even trying to be a dick. For him to come back, I'd be like, all right, million bucks, million and a half bucks. Like, I'm not giving him any. Yeah. Any real money. So, yeah, he's gone. Obviously, Hap's gone. But, yeah, they, they're they're right up against the cap, and I would love one more Kluber. I think that's kind of what you're saying, too, is one more number two, number three type guy, yeah. and then we're really in business with some depth. Because, you know, there's the irrational part of Yankee fans who we want one through five to all be ones. It's not going to happen. But give me an actual one, and then give me two, like two, three guys, and then, yeah, then... You know, maybe four, maybe Seve as a four will pitch like a two, but he's more likely to pitch like a four or a five, at least for this year coming, you know, coming off of what he's coming off of. So we just, we need another, I think we need another adult in the room. You need, it's a numbers game. You're a couple and you have, yeah, if you're a couple and you have three kids, you are outnumbered. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right, and and I feel the same way about Tanaka. I would love him as a number four, but they are not going to win the World Series with him as their number two. He's just not a number two starter yeah. on a championship team. We've seen that. 
I mean, yeah. the past couple of years. So, no, I'm right there with you. Now, I think in terms of what do we still need, I want one more number two, number three type starter. I want one more reliever, and I want, like, a slick fielding backup middle infielder, um, you know, to back up. So I think – but I think we're only going to get one of those three things. What do you think they're So, wait, what were your three? You want – I want a number two, number three type starter. That's uh-huh. one. I want, like, a solid reliever, and then I want a, a – Slick fielding backup middle infielder that can play short and second and that can make contact. I want the first and the third. I could do without the reliever. I think we could. I think if you get the starter, you don't need the reliever. I'm tired of just trying to build out like this the impossible to beat bullpen that doesn't really pan out ever. Um, And. You know the I I saw yesterday like we're doing the seven inning double headers, so that cuts down. You know, hopefully there's not as many double headers as we've seen. You know, in the last you know last year, but for that couple of games, I'd rather have two starters that are going to go out there and give me six innings and just hand it to Chapman in one game, hand it to Britton in another. Yeah, that, that's a fair point. I guess the flip side would be that if Chapman or Britton goes down, we're fucked, bullpen-wise. So that we don't have a lot of room for error, and there's no depth in the bullpen. And, you know, if we don't sign a reliever, we're going to we're gonna be having the conversation, can Luizaga step up, can Nick Nelson, can Sessa, and we're going to be relying on these internal guys that haven't been that good. But, look, we're in the same position. We're still a hamstring away from Tyler Wade playing every day, so... Still want that middle infield depth, too. I mean, we need a lot still, I think. I, if you want to win the World Series as the New York Yankees, you need to have a 25th man that's better than Tyler Wade. 100%. Like, that's just, 100%. It's because it's him and Estrada right now. Yeah. Those guys aren't. Yeah. So, you know, who knows as the market fully shakes out as camps open, like who's still on the sideline, what team is going to cut a veteran that, you know, we could pick up as our backup, you know, infielder. You know, I, I'd like to see that. I, you know, we need that because we are, again, we are a hamstring, a positive COVID test, whatever Half. it may be, away from everyday Tyler Wade, which yeah. is not what we need. We don't want that. One other thing I wanted to bring up is there's a lot – I saw a lot on Twitter now that we re-signed DJ that, oh, this means Glaber's the shortstop for the for the future. And I, and I still don't think – I disagree with that. I still don't think Cashman is sold on him. I think this is going to be a one-year prove-it year for Glaber defensively at shortstop because next year is still the golden the golden free agency class. I think it's Baez, Correa, maybe Trevor Story and – somebody else that's that's going to be free agents on the shortstop side. So I think they're going to give him one more year. But if Glaber has another year, like last year defensively, I, I think that guys are going to start moving around. So I, I still don't think this cements him as the shortstop for the next decade. So one thing Yankee fans really need to stop doing is putting words in Brian Cashman's mouth. Like, the Yankees not doing something to fix that this year – the Yankees not going out to sign Bauer does not mean that we are getting the big free agent class of next year. We talk, I mean, we were getting Machado, Machado, Bryce. Like, that's why we weren't making moves for years. That was just totally made up by us. Brian Cashman yep. has never once said that. It's a bunch of uneducated baseball executives in our own minds saying this is what's going to happen. So it may happen. I mean – because you're talking about, like, I think this is a make-or-break year for three Yankees. Aaron Judge, Gleyber Torres, Gary Sanchez. Now, I'm not saying Glaber, it's like make-or-break. Like, So, Gary, it's make-or-break. Like, you're on this team. Like, you're a part of our future. Judge, it's, you know, going into that last year, what are we going to do with you? And with Glaber, it's what is your position going to be? So it's very, you know, three very different make or breaks, but these are make or breaks. And I don't know that, you know, hey, maybe maybe there is a situation where Glaber doesn't really, you know, pan out to be a shortstop for forever and Voight slumps this year. So we move on from him, move DJ over, move Glaber over, get a uh, 
a shortstop. That's one possibility. Maybe we trade judge, move positions around, things like that. Like, there are a lot of things to shake out, but for right now, like, I I think in the long run, our, one of our best options out there is to trade Aaron Judge. The market right now is not there for it, so I'm backing off of that position a little bit. But Brian Cashman knows more about baseball than me as he proved this week, so maybe he'll find some kind of deal out there. He might, and I'll, I'll clarify. I don't think this means that they're definitely going to sign one of those $300 million shortstops. But when you have DJ that can play multiple positions, when you have Glaber that can also play second, it just opens things up. And one thing people forget is when Glaber was coming up in 2017, the plan was for him to come and play third base. That yep. that was the plan. Then he, you know, he tried to dive into home plate. He uh, broke his left elbow or whatever. They traded for Todd Frazier, and then he came up the next year as a second baseman, but Glaber was, you know, being primed to play third for us. I think that's something he could still do. So, you know, keep that possibility out there. Guys could get traded, guys could move. And yeah, just saying that I, I don't think he's nearly nearly cemented there. It yeah, could happen got, got to, it could happen to anyone, you know, in baseball. I mean we've seen it happen to established veterans, but like Gio Urshela or Luke Voigt could fall off the face of the earth in terms of production at any point. You know, it's like at some point, I mean, the carriage may turn back into a pumpkin and then we have to make moves around that. But for right now, like, you know, Lindor's on in Queens. He's not out there. So Glaber Torres is our starting shortstop for 2021. DJ LeMay, who's our second baseman for forever. That's awesome. Voight. I don't know what Voight's doing in the offseason, aside from saying how much he loves DJ LeMahieu, but hopefully he figures out whatever is going on with it, the, the foot. And then, you know, Gio's just, I don't know, Gio's just doing Gio things. So, like, hey, whatever that we're hanging out with Lindor, being on a boat, whatever it is, just, you know, make sure that you're ready. And then we could figure out, like, what's up with the rest of this, you know, team. Who's going to stay healthy? What's Stanton doing? How's Judge feeling? Hicks, stop playing golf. You have a bad back. Please, dude, please. You're the last but, person that, that should be playing golf. But I'll tell you what. I am so tired of whether it's the Yankees. I saw it with, like, Vlad Jr. Of people just getting, like, hard as a rock to see Major League Baseball players hit 46-mile-an-hour batting practice pitches, like, 350 feet. Who gives a fuck? Like, I need to see these guys facing, like, real pitching – for major leaguers. Yeah, I don't get that. And people, it'll be like Judge in the batting cage. Like, oh, he ripped a line drive. It's like, this is really, really isn't doing it for me. <laughs> you want to see him on the field. And I wasn't, I didn't really watch Gary in the winter league or Herman in the winter league. I know there were, were people doing that. But, yeah, I can't get into that either. I mean, spring training, when they're at the complex, start to lock in a little bit. But right now, yeah, it's no interest. I cared more about Herman just because he had done nothing. So it's just like, are the mechanics there? Had you been working out, you know, is velocity there? Um, but, yeah, like a, a Gary, it's like, yeah, great. That guy's a 38-year-old Mexican double-A pitcher. <laughs> yeah. You're right, though. It really is a make-or-break year for him. It really yeah. is, because 17 and 19 were great. 18 and 20 were horrible. He's basically alternated you know, good year, bad year. So and it is really, really big year for him. It is make or break, and his back's against the wall. Like, I mean, he's he opening day 0 for 4, and he'll hear boos from all over the Bronx. He will Boone and Boone and Cashman love him though. I think they will give they'll they'll give him a slightly longer leash, and I do think they're going to go in to camp and basically say that he's the favorite for the job. But I don't think they're going to name him the starter February fifteenth. I, I think they're going to say he's the favorite, but I don't think they're just going to hand him the job like they have in years past. Well, let me be clear on one thing: Kyle Higashioka is not the starting catcher for the New York Yankees. <laughs> Like, that's another one. Like, I mean, yeah, hey, we started him in the playoffs. He was a little hot. It made sense. Gary was so bad. You're not winning the World Series with Higgy in your everyday lineup. 
Yankee fans have always had this obsession with backup catchers. They loved Romine. They thought people thought Austin Romine was going to go out and get like a fifty million dollar deal and be a star. Well, we love having four million dollars. We love having the best hundred players in baseball, not the best twenty five players in baseball. <laughs> right, like that's right, where we. Right. That's what we are as a fan base. Depth, depth, depth. I don't give a. We could shut down every minor league facility cut everybody who's not on a major league roster and win the World Series, and I'm happy. Me too. The only prospect I care about is Jason Dominguez because apparently projects to be like Mike Trout, Mickey Mantle. So, yeah, that, that's a guy that I'll follow and get excited about. Another guy that he's the he's the next Gary Sanchez in terms of like, is this even a real person that exists? Because now, like, I've been hearing about him for, like, three years, and I saw, like, a graphic that, you know, it was on Twitter of, like, you know, he's number one rated prospect. And then it said, zero professional games. Yeah. Like, all this hype. I would assume he's starting the year in, like, single-A Tampa this year. Like, like, first of all, he's got to be on a minor league, you know, roster and playing this year. Uh, provided, you know, whatever, they have a season, and it looks like they should. It'll be shorter. I think right now the plan is, like, double-A and single-A spring training won't start until the other guys leave. Uh, Okay. You're not going to have everyone there at the same time. Yeah. Oh, speaking of minor leagues, one thing I wanted to ask you about, totally random, but I was a little bit sad about the Trenton Thunder about the Yankees disaffiliating from the Trenton Thunder. I, you know, I grew up about 30 minutes from Trenton. You know, we'd go, we'd see Jeter rehab or see A-Rod rehabbing there. Um, and, and even going as an adult, you can take the train right from Philly. It was always convenient for me and easy. And the game, I mean, it's like five bucks to get in. Beer's really cheap. I loved having a Yankees affiliate there. And I'm, I'm kind of bummed that they moved. It's a great facility, too. I don't know what the decision was to do. I know they are very bothered with it. I was tweeting with them last week because – they are they are one of the minor league teams that tries to embrace like the uh you know all the things that make minor league baseball great mm-hmm. cheap beer cheap tickets wacky food and so i filmed the stadium there a couple years ago and they push their big like pork rolls their thing i think on like fridays they're the trenton pork rolls or they whatever. wear uniforms that'll say pork yeah, rolls yeah. on them so they had posted something and i jokingly was like do you want me to eat this on camera i could be there tomorrow and they reached out and were like Turn, we're not, we asked, we're not allowed to like fire up the grills for like an outside or whatever, but like, let's figure this out. And I was just like, yeah, like I'll be there because even though the Yankees kind of screwed you here, I just don't also see where it makes sense. I guess they don't care. The Yankees don't care about like the attendance at these games because they're not their teams. But Trenton, just like when Jeter was rehabbing, when someone was rehabbing, you have so many Yankee fans in that north central Jersey area. Yeah. That it was like yeah, exactly. easy for them to go. Or even if you lived in New York, you could just hop on Jersey Transit it's and you're there. Bucks. Yeah, right and you're there. there. Whereas like I mean, I guess maybe you'll see the same out of like the Hudson Valley, but it it does just like feel different. No, it doesn't. I guess this double A team's moving to Somerset, New Jersey, which is I guess more north and it's closer to New York, but you know, it's further further from us and, and not as convenient. But, yeah, I loved loved going to Trenton. But it sounds like they're still going to have some sort of, like, independent team or, like, a new league that I was reading about. I it was think kinda they're doing a league. I don't fully understand how it's going to work. But, essentially, it's a draft league. If you're a player who's draft eligible and you want to up yourself. So, like, you're not going to see the top 30 picks there. Like, they kind of already know where they are. But you might see guys who are trying to move from, like, the 15th round to the 10th round or something mm-hmm. like that go out there and play. Um, and it's, you know, I get I, – I, I've said all along, like, I get both sides of the argument about, like, shutting down some of these minor league teams. Like, hey, we're paying salaries for players, and it's way less money than they should be making to – who are never going to make the major leagues. You know, they're just, it's never going to happen. So why not take that same money and put that into facilities, maybe pay the guys that we keep a little more, whatever it may be. I don't think we've seen that financial switch yet. But I also get it for these teams and these franchises like Trenton, who like invested in a nice stadium, like Arm & Hammer Stadium's a nice stadium. 
Yes. They built a brand, especially around, like, Rookie the Bat Dog. Like, everybody knows who Rookie is. So, you know, I feel bad for Trenton. Everything around that stadium is such a shithole, though. Like, oh yeah, everything around. I had to get. I I went there. I had to get cash, and I was like, I gotta find an ATM, and it was Ooh. like, yeah, I went like two blocks, and it was like, oh god, I could probably, I could get drugs here too. The Trenton Transit Center. When you get back, so the last train from Penn Station going back to Trenton is at one twenty one a.m. and it rolls in at like two fifty three. When you get off and you're walking outside at two fifty three at the Trenton Transit Center on a Tuesday night after a playoff game, there is nothing creepier <laughs> than oh, that. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's a tough one. Too too many times doing that. And and real back to quick on it. Um, one article I found. So there were whispers when this went down that it was because of the field, because of the conditions and facilities. And there's actually an article from 2019 where Boone kind of mentions that uh, basically Sevy had to make a rehab start. He was injured. Trenton was at home. Triple A team was on the road. Um, and they sent Sevy on the road with the AAA team, which is very rare to do. And Boone said it was because they had concerns about the mound in Trenton. So clearly that was a factor, which who, who knows? But I think they had, I think they did have some concerns about the yeah. physical aspects or whatever. So yeah, I'm sure there's a ton that we don't know and we'll never know because sure. it's not important enough to make it into like anyone's memoirs. But yeah, there's probably little things like that. Where it's like, hey, we need you to do this. And they're like, well, we're a minor league team who makes no money. So from like a cost standpoint, right. we have to use this clay or whatever it may be. Yeah. But I think, you know, it's an exciting time to get things going. What do you think is going to happen with the season? Like, because I, I don't fully understand it. But from what I have read, last year, Manfred had the ability when the season started and then when, you know, spring training started, activities began, and we were in a, you know, national emergency, global pandemic, whatever the terminology was, that he could shut things down out of safety. But now I'm seeing that, for whatever reason, for this year, he doesn't have the ability to do that. Or he doesn't have the ability to do that while altering contracts. So the MLBPA has said, you can essentially do whatever you want, but we are legally getting 100%. Like, we're not open to having the conversations we had last year of anything prorated or anything like that. You know, it's interesting. I thought for the longest time that there would be like a Memorial Day start. But now that you're saying that, if that's actually true and they have to pay the players, you know, 100% of the money, then I think they will. Then I think they will start on time. But, you know, going into this, before I knew that, I was thinking Memorial Day. Because, I mean, I know the Rays have talked about the limited fans. And depending on where the stadium is in that state, some teams could open with, with limited fans. But I don't think that the majority of owners are going to want to pay full salaries for, for empty stadiums for, for a buck sixty two. And that's all we've heard, too, is that, like, the owners don't want to start the season without fans. And I wonder about things like, uh, I'm sure it's happening in other cities, but Yankee Stadium, City Field are both supposed to be huge vaccine centers. You know, because you've got to pump through all these people. And I don't know if, is that something that, like, they're just getting set to do for, like, February, March. But, you know, if everyone's not vaccinated, it's tough to shut down a vaccine distribution site for to play just to play baseball for baseball. Yeah. And then it's, and, and then it's also tough to even, you know, if you're saying, Hey, without fans, like we'll be a vaccine center from nine in the morning until, you know, five o'clock at night, seven o'clock though, like the team's playing, you're still bringing a lot of people to that general area and that, you know, and into the building while you're trying to keep players distanced. Yeah, that that would be a shit show. I don't I don't see that working out. And I the other thing I want to point out about this whole when's the season going to start is Manfred the other day said you plan on playing 162, and everybody took that as oh they're going to play a full season. But remember, he legally has to say that if he comes out now and says anything anything else, the players union and all those lawyers can you know accuse him of negotiating in bad faith. So he he has to legally say that. I'm not that that means nothing to me. Anything Manfred says means nothing to me. Yeah, I just I don't see how I just don't see on April 1st how the Yankees based on what we're seeing now we're seeing you know 4,500 people a day dying I don't see how the Yankees take the field on April 1st in Yankee Stadium at what's supposed to be a vaccine distribution center while we're doing two 9-11s a day 
Yeah, and I don't want to do the the bubble or play at spring training or play like just I just want to see them playing at their regular stadiums and, and a little bit more normalcy this year. So if it takes an extra month or two, that's fine. And look, last year we waited until the end of July for baseball, so I can wait till Memorial Day. Give me a big sick Memorial Day weekend kickoff, you know, opening weekend type thing. That'd be cool with me. Even if they were like, hey, season started like May fifteenth, but we're not having fans till June. You know, like. Where we we got to start. We got two weeks. Then we'll start, you know, trickling. Because I don't think there's going to be a – I don't think there's any scenario that the owners wait long enough and the players wait long enough that it's like, hey, it's opening day and there's 50,000 people here. That's – No, un- but they're going to want at least limited capacity. And think yeah. about lim- limited capacity – at Yankee Stadium, like sitting in a row and having, I don't know, whatever it is, three open seats to either side of you. You'd be able to kick your feet up, be really comfortable. The lines are going to be shorter. There are going to be some benefits to having a 50% capacity or whatever they decide to do. Yeah, I checked in with some people at the Yankees probably like 10 days ago. Uh, and I probably should have done some due diligence uh, prior to this. But as of then, nobody had been given anything concrete about spring training and the season starting, and I'm talking to people who are vital to the infrastructure of how those stadiums work, and they're just like, we got nothing. Yeah, so, I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody knows anything at this point. But yeah, I'd be ha- I'd be happy with any time in May. Once you get into June, that's where it would get kind of frustrating for me. But we know we won't have to wait till the end of July, so it, you know it's going to be better. Yeah, I, I think you know we're getting to, and yeah, there's like you know political things at play. But I we are getting close in my mind now. That the holidays are out of the way, so we've got all the gatherings and spikes. I think we're getting close to the point where things start going down, especially as vaccines ramp up. I, like I heard yesterday, we're at you know a million vaccines a day, which still isn't anywhere near enough for the country. But if, you know, next thing you know, that's two million, three million, and we're vaccinating people all over the place. It becomes open. You start to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm not looking past this season, but I do in the back of my head just kind of look at it like. 2022 opening day is going to be normal. And I just keep that as like a thing. Like we're going to get through this season. It's not going to be perfect. It's, you know, it's not going to be easiest, but it's going to be normal soon. This is the definition of a transition year type thing. Like I said, 50% capacity, 60% capacity. We'll still, we'll get to go. We'll get to be in the building, God willing, but it won't be, you know, won't be the 50,000, like you said, but it'll, it'll at least be nice to just be there and just like, I really miss the place. Yeah, so I okay, so I have a friend who was supposed to get married like April sixth or something. No, no, it was late March of twenty twenty at the Bronx Zoo. Pushed it till like October, pushed it till April, now has pushed it till the Sunday of Labor Day weekend. Oh my god. And I was like, ah, you know, that's a tough one. I hate people who have uh, holiday weekend weddings. It's incredibly selfish. You're disrupting, like, you know, the end of people's summer. It just stinks. There's no positives to it. Um, But I looked at the schedule. I was like, if the schedule keeps as is, they're playing the Orioles that weekend, uh, and then they have the Blue Jays coming in on Monday. And so one of my wife's friends, uh, who's also a Yankee fan and, you know, to a certain extent, like my friends who are Yankee fans or my wife's friends who are Yankees fans, like they'd rather go to a game with me than just go to a game by themselves because sure. it's, a, it's a different experience. You know, you're, you're getting free food, whatever. So she was like, yo, so I'm thinking if this wedding, you know, it's on Sunday, instead of dealing with shore traffic, we should go. There's a one o'clock game. You know, they're playing the Blue Jays. And I said, well, a couple things. One, I don't know if this schedule is going to hold. And two, I don't know that I'll want to go to a fourth game in a row. And she goes, what do you mean fourth game in a row? I go, if I have to be at a wedding Sunday night at the Bronx Zoo, there's no reason I wouldn't go up for the weekend, go to Friday night's game, Saturday's day game. I will go to a Sunday 1 o'clock game and be at a 6 o'clock wedding at the Bronx Zoo. Like, I have I have, like I have, no issue to do that. Come Monday, I'm not going to want to be at the stadium again. Exactly. I'm going to want to be at my – I'm going to have a pool. I'm going to want to be back home in my pool. 
that that's your recovery day. And I do think, and I looked at the schedule too. I, I don't think the schedule is going to hold. I think they'll end up playing a hundred games. I'm worried about the Baltimore games. We'll still play, but you want those games to be on the weekends. And then I'm very concerned about the two games. We're going to lose. I, I'm. We're, so it's almost a hundred percent that we're going to lose those. From a competitive standpoint, I get cutting down the like interleague games, things like that. However. From a, like, marketing standpoint, I could go without a couple of Red Sox games to have games in Philly. You know, it's a different, you're hitting a different market. So I hope that they do keep some of those games that, like, have teams that don't normally play each other in front of fans playing each other in front of fans. Like, I know we played the Phillies this year in this, like, weird schedule, but I'd much rather see that than, like, you know, that 18th and 19th you know, uh, Red Sox game when they stink and it's a weird season anyway. Yeah, and the way it lines up, we got a, it was a Saturday and a Sunday game in Philly, which we never get. I don't yeah. think we've played on a weekend in Philly in 20 years. Someone reached out. Frank Marco reached out to me and was like, hey, the Yankees schedule, da-da-da. They're going to be in Philly. You live in Philly, da-da-da. And I said, um, one, I don't think the schedule is like going to happen. And two, if you don't think I – have been in contact with the ticket office for suites in September. Like you're out of your mind. <laughs> yeah. When the schedule you know? came out. Yeah. Like that. they were like, they thought I was oddly early to it. <laughs> like I'm, you know, so I, you know, I, I'm curious because also the, like the Yankees only have a weekend series in Baltimore in like May with the current schedule. Like, come on, yeah. give me a September weekend. Give me a September yeah. weekend in Baltimore. So there's part of me that wants the schedule to shuffle around. There's part of me that wants it to like stay the same. I think there's going to have to be changes. I just don't see. I don't see 162. Um, I also think that there's a fear that like you know the 60 game schedule's totally bizarre. But if it's like oh well the rational thing is to give us a 130 game season or something like that, like a hundred. A hundred is, you know, hey, that's a good season. But like that hundred and twenty to hundred and forty, that's when you really start to get conversation. Like maybe this should just be the season. You know, like yeah, but we don't need a hundred. Sign up for a hundred. I, I would sign up for a hundred if somebody put that in front of me. Today. I'd like a hundred and twenty, hundred and twenty yeah. game season. Um, and then you know you have to do less doubleheaders. You could have a couple more off days. You could have a couple. Yeah, more. I'd rather more off days. These seven inning double headers are generally they're not fun days because they usually end up splitting. You know, if they lose the first game, you're kind of miserable all through until they win the second game. It's, yeah. They're just not very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, now it's just a matter of like, what are the next moves that we make? How do we like fill out this roster and uh, like our forty man's full, so we got to clear two spots for DJ and Kluber anyway. How does that shift around? I mean, we're through the rule five, so you know, let's see. You know, what veteran infielder maybe becomes available? What does a minor league season look like? Because those are all things that play into like a lot of team strategies too. The Scranton shuttle. You know, how's that going to you know, yes, how's that gonna right. work this year? What a roster is going to look like? Because you can't go, you cannot start, if they say they're going to start a season on April 1st, you can't start with a 26-man roster with, like, where COVID's going to be. Like, you still have to go, like, 30-man roster. And, you know, are you going to start on April 1st with this schedule that involves, you know, every three days, 15 to 30 teams are flying all over the country. So it'll be interesting. We'll have more information as things goes. Our continued plan is we will in a couple of weeks be back, like after the Super Bowl, as we know things are happening. Any big news will come. We'll do pods like this. But, you know, you don't need to hear from us every week bitching about the offseason. You want to hear us bitching about actual baseball. Exactly. Complaining about what's actually going on. And there's still a lot of unknowns coming up. But one thing we do know is the Yankees are a lot better than they were 24 hours ago and, and right now that's good enough for me yeah and so hey keep it going stay safe out there wear a mask get your vaccine and all this stuff because we're going to need all that to happen so we can go to games so we can win games and so we can see you at the parade
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system.